one rock a boat us must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Right. Delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com as always. What's up, Bear? What up? And uh, Marcus uh, the Ginger Pittman. How's it hey, going? Hey, dude, what was the thing we said the other day at uh, at Comic-Con? What was it? I missed Gin that. Ginger Vigilante? The Ginger the Ginger, the ginger Vigilante. The Ginger Vigilante. And actually, I have to give credit to my wife because she saw that. She was angry that I... Was posting on Facebook. It didn't give her credit. Yeah. Yeah. She deserves credit. Yeah. For more than that. <laughs> and uh, so, hey, let's talk real fast. We just put up a new video um, of us at uh, Comic-Con, Phoenix Comic-Con, last Friday. We were at Comic-Con, and we brought the gospel into the context of Comic-Con. And here's the thing. It wasn't a Jesus juke. No. No, it wasn't a Jesus juke. It was actually contextual. Yeah. yeah, it's contextual because people are there at Comic Con talking about the heroes versus the villains. Underneath all that is the discussion of justice in the world and good versus evil. So, and there's a context for the gospel there. Yeah, and it got three thousand views in one day. Yeah, we just put a video up. That's awesome. Holla. People can go to Apologia Studios on YouTube and they can yep. check out the last video uploaded, and it is called "Christians Invade Comic Con." Yes, that's just right. put it up. Really cool, Marcus. Wonderful job. Thank you. It was very, very You did very, good very, too, man. You're good on the mic. Hey, you know, I appreciate it. When you hold it properly. Thank yeah. you. When you learn how to use it. Yeah. Hey, going. Hey, that was funny. Like, I was like so out of it because I had the one on my chest, so I wasn't really bringing the mic to their yeah, mouth yeah, when they were talking. Yeah. Did I mess you up? No, just more time editing. That's okay. okay. We got All right. it. That's good. Well, you're, you're good like that. So, guys, this is Apologia Radio. We are about a week away or so uh, from this episode of doing our production where you're going to see the actual video of our new studio. Luke Pearson deserves a medal for the amazing job he's done in the studio. When you see it, it's going to blow you away. It is absolutely gorgeous and amazing. So we're going to be filming the Apologia Radio episodes. You'll be able to watch the episodes 
We're going to have more content for you guys. Um, we're going to have in-studio guests like Dr. James White, any of the other guys we can get in, John Sampson, into the studio. So you guys can be blessed from some of their teaching. And uh, what you guys can do if this is your first time hearing Apologia Radio is go to ApologiaRadio.com, pick up past episodes there, and share them with your friends on your social media. We've run the gamut from justification uh, by faith in Christ alone. We've uh, talked about science and the Bible. We've talked about how to engage atheists with the gospel, apologetics. We've talked about how do we get our Bibles, the transmission of the text of the Bible. I mean, the whole gamut, it's there. Reform Theology. Check it out at ApologiaRadio.com. And as always, please listen to this. You can join us in this ministry by praying for us, obviously. Please pray for us. You can also take our episodes. You can share them on your social media. Let everyone know about the ministry, about the radio program, and bless people with the amazing teaching. We've had some uh, incredible guests on this program, and we have an incredible guest today. I'm so excited. Oh, so am I. Totally okay. thrilled. And um, so just go check it out. And also, just don't want to forget to tell you, don't forget to go to Google Play or the iTunes Store, and you can download the Apologia Church app there and there's all kinds of teaching there on the first tab and you get every single Apologia Radio episode in the app easy to pull down just download it right into your smartphone uh, huge blessing just want to say this for fast I have we tell you we get emails all the time but I have gotten some emails in the last week and a half or so I haven't even shared them with you guys we have emails from all over the world mm-hmm. coming in people listening to the radio program uh, and com- coming to Christ Mm-hmm. Wow, coming to, coming to Christ as a result of the radio program, the stuff that's online, or uh, coming out of sort of a false profession of faith. Even I've gotten a couple of those. And then at Sunday on Sunday at church, we had visitors from mm-hmm. from California uh, that actually, when Marcus and I were talking to one of the guys, he told us that he came to Christ as a result of watching the the sermon that shocked everyone. Yeah, right. the sermon we yeah. have up has like over six hundred thousand views of the woman with a baby saved from death in an abortion clinic. It was the gospel all in front of that, and then it was her testimony and the baby that was saved on stage. Huge blessing. I forgot awesome. to tell you, too, because I was talking to, I think it's Irvin, Carlos's brother, and he was telling me that he plays that Clash of Clans that's all over Facebook and stuff. The video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Video games are for sinners, dude. Yeah, totes. Totes, <laughs> my goats. Um... He said he was playing that, and he's in some Calvinist group. Yeah. And there was this guy, this new guy came, and he was saying he was new to Calvinism, new believer, and all this stuff. He starts talking to him. He's like, oh, how'd you come to Christ? The dude's like, you ever hear of Apologia? Wow. Nice. And he was like, shut up! Wow. Yeah, and like he was the only one in the group that, that knew knew of us. But yeah, just crazy. Like I don't even know who this guy is. But he's, Oh, I didn't tell you. He came out of Mormonism. Praise so God. through YouTube, and he's trying to reach his family now. We've gotten what, like four or five of those in the last month last two or so. weeks. Two Mormons weeks, yeah. come into Christ as a result of the. Well, it's yeah. also stuff like online. babies are murdered here. Yes, like when we were in Walmart. Yes, and this guy said, "Hey, I've been going out on the streets because of babies are murdered here that I heard on your show." Yes. So, so yeah, if you didn't hear that, we were at Walmart, random Walmart, middle of the day. Guy walks up, recognizes me, and then has been going to the abortion clinics, but has been going to the abortion clinics as a result of listening to the show, and then specifically, babies are murdered here, and Marcus is standing right in front of him. <laughs> it's like he's the director of the film. Yeah. So awesome. speaking of babies are nice murdered segue. here. Nice segue. 
of babies are murdered here. I thought of that. Well played. Just because I'm so excited, I just can't wait to get into it. This is how we do it here at Apology Radio. Let's just drag it out a little bit longer. No, no. Everyone's waiting. Who is it? Who's the guest? Who's the guest? Is the president of the United States? Is it Santa Claus? It must be someone way better than the president of the United States. I agree 100. (laughs) percent It's not a hard bar. No. (laughs) Hillary. Hillary. Let's just drag this out. Let's see how far we can take it. No. Okay. So. Babies are murdered here. Featured um, a couple of men. Um, Tony Miano, we had on recently. We've had on a couple times. Uh, he was in that film. Huge, hugely blessed by his ministry. It's not Tony. Not Tony. But there was one more person in that film that I think added to the film the necessary foundation and did it so John well. Barrows. That's what I was gonna say. Well, of John course, Barrows. John Barrows. Yes, yes. He but was he's amazing. not our guest either. But he's not our guest. So who else could it be? It's R.C. Sproul Jr. Hey! Which is an amazing, amazing blessing today. R.C., thank you for joining us for the first time on Apologia Radio. Happy to be with oh, you Oh, we're guys. happy to have you. So um, uh, talk, Marcus, about Babies Who Murdered Here and how you got R.C. Sproul in the film. How, how in the world did you convince him? I don't him? know how I got R.C. Sproul Jr. on the film. I don't know why you said yes. <laughs> I think it's because you asked. It's really yeah. Well, I asked Vadi Bakum too, and he said he didn't. He never got back with me. So, <laughs> well, so he, he's in much greater demand than I am. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. Okay, okay. So, for those that don't know, Babies Are Murdered Here was the first movie I ever thought about shooting. It, we actually started that by accident way before we did How to Answer the Fool. So I think we waited a whole year to make that film. Because people just started taking these signs from the trailer. We just put up a trailer mm. to raise money for it. And like it just kind of blew up wow. into this thing just from the trailer. So we purposely said, okay, let's wait a year and see what happens in a year. Wow. And during that time, I got to meet John Barros and R.C. Sproul Jr. in Orlando. And it was awesome. So thank you. But... Well, the, 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 the film itself, let's just... And we have a lot to talk about today. And, and R.C., we are just... Absolutely blessed to have you today. Believe me, we have so much to talk to you about. Um, but the film itself has dramatically impacted uh, gospel ministry to abortion clinics across the United States. Uh, RC, I want to encourage you with this. Um, we, as a church, weren't involved in the ministry to abortion uh, mills um, until about two years ago. Um, we had a woman on who was a sidewalk counselor that was bringing the gospel Uh, We had her on the radio program two years ago, and she told us that that her ministry had saved over 360 babies in a year by bringing the gospel to an abortion clinic. So we decided to get involved, and and as of now, uh, God has saved over 40 babies from our church's ministry to the local abortion mills. But babies are murdered here. Um, I get contacted all the time from people who are beginning ministries to abortion clinics as a result of that film. So I, I hope that uh, that you're encouraged by by that, brother. Absolutely, very much so. It's a it's a good film, and uh, I'm glad to see that it's being used in a helpful way, and and eager to meet some of these babies. Absolutely, Amen. me too, me too. And right. baptize them, right? And, and yeah, absolutely, <laughs> hey, absolutely. I'm talking to another Presbyterian. <laughs> yeah, today. you got another Presbyterian. Hey, yeah. Finally, so Ooh. RC, you should know. You this had to is, go there, huh? It, it, I had to go there. Biblical ecumenism, 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 right? Happening right here. Uh, Apology Radio. We've got uh, two Reformed Baptists, and then also Marcus, who's Presbyterian, and now you. So he feels completely comfortable now. Now the tables <laughs> are actually even. The, I'm sorry. I thought, 
tables were even before I got here. Amen. That's right. It only takes one. Yeah, that's right. That's funny. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's do this before we leap into a larger discussion about the kingdom of God and what Christ is doing in history. Uh, R.C., you just actually published a, a an article at R.C. Sproul Jr., uh, com and the article title is Bruce Jenner is a Man. I'll start off uh, discussing this because it's a hot topic right now and needs to be talked about. Um, you say in the beginning, if you call a tail a leg, how many legs does a dog have? For those of you who answered five, wrong. You see, you can call a tail a leg all day long, but it won't make it a leg. It's still a tail. And, and let's talk about the current issue we're facing in the culture as Christians about the degradation of human sexuality, the blurring of the lines of what God has created as good and as holy. Uh, let's talk about the Bruce Jenner uh, situation. Can you bring us into that discussion for those who aren't privy to the information? Well, I, I, you have to live under a rock to not be aware of uh, all the brouhaha about Bruce Jenner, and it's certainly gotten bigger uh, the last day or two with the publication of the cover of Vanity Fair yes. and the title, uh, Call Me Caitlin. Uh, the picture is, of course, Bruce Jenner, uh, but he looks very much like a woman, uh, which is what he's been uh, working so hard to have happen. But the reality is, and that's, that's what we're talking about here, the issue isn't what do we do with someone who wants to be something that they're not. Uh, there's a the, the issue is what do we do with someone who thinks there's something that they're not? Yes. Uh, I would like to be to have a full head of hair. I'd like to be 30 <laughs> pounds lighter. I'd like to be four inches taller. Some of those things are things that can change. Uh, unfortunately, it's the one that requires me not to eat so much ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so it's not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> so, but, but the reality of what we are in terms of our sexual identity, that doesn't change. We can wish it could change. We can imagine that it changes, but it doesn't change. And what we're, what we're witnessing uh, is not just a culture that is willing to disagree on that question and, and take the position that says, well, yes, we can change. But they're, while they're telling themselves this lie, they are absolutely vehemently uh, insistent that we agree with them. It, it reminds me of the, the emperor's new clothes. It, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you wish. If the emperor is naked, the emperor is naked. Mm -hmm. But when someone stands up and says the emperor is naked, then all the people who haven't said that uh, are shown up and embarrassed and have to be silenced. And that's sort of where we are right now. It's really amazing. It, the call, Can you imagine? I was talking to my kids about this the other day. Can you Imagine what people would have thought 50, 60, 70 years ago if you would have told them that in 2015 we'd be, we'd be actually facing these issues as a church, that we'd have a culture that is absolutely sold out to the idea that we can, within ourselves, rebel against the decree of God in history in our own lives and determine for ourselves what our gender actually is. It's an, it's an amazing thing. And, and listen to this. This is Fox News um, just actually, I think, uh, last night. Fox News on the issue of uh, Mr. Jenner. All right, 
Well, if it's news to you, sometimes it can be news to us because we thought we'd pass this along on this unscripted two-hour show where anything can happen. Probably will. Bruce Jenner is now Caitlyn Jenner. I want you to check out the new Vanity Fair cover to Dagan McDowell on what the hell is going on, Dagan. Well, that's how you transition. Bruce Jenner, let's give him credit. He is the only person on planet Earth who knows how to one-up his most famous stepdaughter, Kim Kardashian. She announces last night that she's pregnant with a child. Well, you know what? I can do you one better than that. That's how he unveiled his new identity, um, kind of... Um, leaving his male identity behind with Caitlyn. I mean, he figured out an interesting way to spell it right now, C-A-I-T-L-Y-N. And Bruce, now Caitlyn, says um, this is part of the transitioning, leaving that male identity behind. We'll use female pronouns from now on. But it isn't a, what about the outfit? It's a white satin corset. Very Playboy Bunny-esque, is it not, Neil? I would know, um, but thank you Good for answer. that. Um, With Listen, Annie Leibovitz took the photograph. If sure. you're going to unveil yourself as a woman, I mean, you can't really get any better than that. You can't. No, Dagan, you certainly can't. Look at the time. Uh, Dagan, thank you very, <laughs> very much. What? He looks hot. He or doesn't... she looks hot, rather. Yes, okay. There now, you go. He looks hot. Can't get away from it, can they? No, yeah. they can't, and, and unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, neither can Mr. Jenner. The, the the reality doesn't change. The tail does not become a leg, and Bruce Jenner has not become Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, now, now Neil's actually in trouble for saying that, though, for saying he. That's why that video was went viral on YouTube, is because he was it, they they were saying that he was mocking his new gender mm. and not referring to him as a woman. So every other article, every other magazine now refers to him as a her. And Neil was kept saying him. And and actually at the very end of that clip, he says something yeah. about Rome, right? Yeah. What was it? He says like the last. And the end of Rome. Basically. Yeah, this is the end of Rome. And yeah. that, that doesn't go over well in Fox News. Mm. I just love Neil's excitement to be on his own TV show, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Uh, R.C., it's it's interesting when we when we read uh, Dr. Michael Brown wrote a fantastic book. Uh, it's called A Queer Thing Happened to America that really outlines the propaganda arm of the homosexual advocacy movement. Uh, when you look in the '60s and '70s and you move your way up and through, you begin to see that they were disciplined, they were consistent, and they had a uh, propaganda arm that, let's be honest, let's face it, was very successful. Is very successful and we're facing this now as a church and we can't defeat this monster that's before us by simply being right-wing conservatives and by shouting out and heralding the truths of traditional values and so rc what do we do as a church in facing this in a way that is gospel saturated but also my goodness is honest and truthful well, I think the first thing you have to do is refuse to, to, to bow to the, the propaganda pressure. That doesn't mean shouting people down. Uh, it, it does mean that we speak accurately. Uh, we're supposed to be people of the truth. And so we, we use the proper pronouns when we're talking about specific people. We, we're not going to tie one hand behind our back by uh, you know, choosing their particular language for what they're describing. Right. But, you know, I, I think that a, a key part of, of how to 
uh, not give away the store at all, uh, and yet uh, at least be faithful, even though you'll still get the the charge of being bigoted and narrow-minded and all that. But I, I think, well, I kept thinking about this when, when this first became news. I thought, you know, I am not what I want to be. Yeah. And I want to be something very different from what I am. And I am also in the process of becoming what I want to be. And there yeah. are tools by which that is brought to pass. We call those tools the means of grace and the tools are actually in the hand of God himself, that God is changing me. And so there's that, that, that commonality where, where Bruce Jenner looks at himself and he doesn't like what he sees. He doesn't like what he is. And it's not what he wants to be. Unfortunately, uh, of course, his solution is, uh, ultimately according to Romans chapter one, to shake his fist at the God who made him. Yeah. Uh, where you know, there's a, it, it sort of goes back to uh, something I, I learned at the abortion mill. I, I saw a great similarity between the clients there and me in this sense. Both of us have things that we're ashamed of. Both of us have sins that need to be covered. Their solution is surgical. If I go into this building, if I hand over this money, they will remove my shame from me. Mm. Whereas our solution is to turn to Jesus Christ, that my sins do get covered. And the difference, of course, is that we, by God's grace, actually get our sins covered by confessing them, by speaking them, by recognizing them, not by denying them, and that their attempt is to bury them. Uh, which also, again, brings us back to Romans chapter 1. Yeah. So I, I think in terms of public response, we need to recognize the dignity of Bruce Jenner as a man who bears God's image, the reality of sin in his life that reflects the reality of sin in our life, and we need to call for repentance and embracing the work of Christ. What we're not going to find is a safe, cultural, conservative mechanism that can call people back from this kind of nonsense. Once you've given up a transcendent God with a transcendent law, then you're not going to have the kind of uh, cultural momentum that can maintain a kind of a sane, clean kind of culture. This is, this is bitter fruit from seeds that were planted a long, long time ago. Powerful words. From R.C. Sproul Jr. I'm just soaking it all in, man. You're taking it in, Marcus? Taking it in. You're loving it? All right, guys. Stay with us more with R.C. Sproul Jr. Marcus King Ginger Pittman. You like it now? It's not It's not working. It's kind of catchy. You, you, I kind of like King Ginger. Yeah, I think you, you see Bobby, Bobby McCreary call him the OGV. The OGV? Original Ginger Vigilante. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, stay with us. Be right back. Apologiaradio.com. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at Apologiaradio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. 
I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com Hi, this is Warner with Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. If Facebook backslash Apology Radio, become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker, the twerker. I want to I want to talk to you on the twerking, and send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter, Apology Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology. And we do it with a lot of swing dancing, and we make a delicious chicken gravy. PaulJamRadio.com You know, it's really interesting. Marcus, are you a fan of Manish Do you know? Uh, I heard from him from some of my post-millennial friends. There you go. See, I, you, but he's not a Christian. No. See, no. here's the thing. Manish Yahu is, uh, I think he was raised in New York, maybe? Yes, yes. So, uh, very conservative, like, Orthodox Jew. And it's amazing. So, he basically does this an amazing sound of, like, sort of hip-hop, reggae. It's, it's really, really good. But... He blends a lot of the Jewish, ancient Jewish eschatology about the world and the Psalms into yeah. like this hip hop reggae sort of thing. So if you listen to his songs, man, like a lot of the songs like uh, I Will Be Light are about the, the call of the image of God to be light into the world and scatter the darkness. And this song, One Day, is about really the, I mean, it's post-mill straight away. I mean, it, it's about... Uh, one day there'll be no more wars. We'll all it, it will all stop our fighting. And you know, it's just it's very. It's you really listen to it, you're like, man, I wish this guy knew Jesus, because it's just straight away thick uh, biblical theology, like underneath it all, like it's totally redeemable yeah. stuff. And he so just needs to add the Jesus part. To he it. needs to repent. Yeah. Demon needs to repent and come to Christ. He adds it and don't doesn't know it. Yeah, he just <laughs> so it's it's really interesting because I guess he really yeah. saturates his music with this uh, monotheism, the Psalms, just really good stuff. It's like, man, I wish you knew Jesus. What's well, so crazy? Bad. His most popular song is "King Without a Crown," and it's about the Messiah. Right. You know when he says, "I want Mashiach now," we always sing, "I got Mashiach now." I got Mashiach now. I, I got. Mashiach but it's crazy. Now. It's like totally. 
awesome. biblical like picture of the Messiah. It is totally awesome. missing it. Yes. All right. So that brings us in to really the next part of the discussion. Yes. We're going to talk about what does the Bible say about the kingdom of Christ? What did the Old Testament say about the coming kingdom of the Messiah? What were going to be the effects of the kingdom of this Messiah? How far reaching was that salvation and redemption supposed to go? And how should that affect us as Christians today? And to get us into that, Pastor Luke is going to play us a clip that this is now, actually... Now, this is, this is from when we did Babies Are Murdered Here. Okay. Uh, if you watch the end of the movie, there's a great part with R.C. Sproul Jr. And, and he's talking about we can sleep easy and things are the way they are because that's the way they're supposed to be. Yes, my favorite part of the film. Yes. The yes. And then, then it stops. But what people didn't get to see is what me and R.C. talked about briefly right after that. And I wanted to play it. So it'd be safe to say this is exclusive. This is exclusive. Never heard before. Never been heard before. Content. From Babies Are Murdered Here. Yeah, only here on Apologia Radio. Only here on Apologia Radio. It's the only place you get it. Apologia Radio right now. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Go ahead. That things not being as they're supposed to be is how things are supposed to be. That God has ordained the battle, which means he has raised up the enemy so that we, his bride, could be a help suitable to the second Adam as he destroys all his enemies for his glory, for the glory of his name's sake and for the glory of his Father. We are here for such a time as this so that Jesus will win. What a surprise. You said, you said, that sounds post mill. Yeah. <laughs> and Narcy said, what a surprise. What a surprise. Yeah. So let's get into that discussion because believe me, brothers and sisters, it has everything to do with the previous discussion with Bruce Jenner Absolutely. and the way the world is and our responsibility as believers and what our orientation should be concerning the future. So RC, I want to bring us into this with something kind of funny. One of the most epic, amazing moments for me on Facebook and social media ever was a conversation. I'm not sure if you remember it or not. It was a conversation that occurred where people were tagging me in it. They were, I think they tagged you in it or something because uh, I think that's how you got pulled into it. And they were wondering about the eschatological persuasion of your father. And they were going, no, he's on mill. No, he's post mill. No, I know for sure he's on mill. I'll bet money on it. He's post mill. And then you jumped in and basically said that you had inside information uh, about your father not being post mill. You said, but your heavenly father is. <laughs> that was the most amazing moment I've ever seen on social media. <laughs> so, um, so let's RC. Could you bring us into this discussion about postmillennialism and why it does actually um, have s some importance to it? That we actually should invest ourselves into understanding this. You know, it's uh, it's amazing the providence of God. In that uh, today, I recorded a, a Jesus Changes Everything podcast in which I talked about my own departure from pan-millennialism to post-millennialism. In addition, I also wrote 
uh, a blog piece for next week on what should Christians do about our loss of uh, standing in the broader culture. So uh, your questions are just running right down the alley of what I've been doing today. Praise God. Sweet. Um, but, you know, in that, in that uh, podcast, I talked about how falsely pious it was of me to be a pan mill, to take care of last things last. And what really ch changed me was that the name of the, the most difficult book to understand in all of Scripture is called Revelation. Hmm. It's not called Confusion. Hmm. It's not called Too Hard to Understand. Hmm. It's called Revelation. And if you want to summarize the message of Revelation in a single sentence, I would, I would argue that, it, that it's designed to tell us that Jesus reigns. Hmm. Amen. And then its original audience was an audience also facing a great deal of cultural uh, pressure and judgment and persecution. And that, in fact, the point wasn't to say, John, John didn't write this book thinking, you know, in a couple thousand years, uh, when everything gets wound down and the, and the plan's ready to come back and we're going to get off of this parentheses and go back to plan A, uh, I'm going to want people to know what to expect when all that happens. That's that's not the point. The point is to minister to the original audience and to tell them that Jesus reigns. Now, the truth of the matter is that I'm not an eschatological expert uh, because I work alongside uh, Keith Matheson at Reformation Bible College. Uh, I've got my own personal eschatological guru, you know, in the office next door. Mm. So when I have a tough question, he's the guy I go to. And I don't typically even like to talk about uh, millennial positions, but instead what I love to talk about is the reign of Jesus Christ over all things. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. That's the way to go about it. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and the scripture is abundantly clear all over the place that Jesus reigns, that he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, that all things are being brought, brought into subjection, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Uh, when, I, when I try to do shorthand to help people on eschatology, I have this little, little sort of, uh, well, trick isn't the right way to put it. It's not very nice, but it goes like this. Uh, sometimes I'm speaking to a mixed audience with different eschatological views, and and I'll try to get them a little bit worked up and say, you know, would you like to know where we are in the prophetic time clock? And their eyes get big and their their voices get hushed. I say, I'm going to tell you exactly where we are. Oh, they love it. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I said, now uh, here's where we are. And I open my Bible and read uh, Psalm 110, verse one. Yes. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And then I ask everybody, when did he sit at his right hand? And they all agree it was at the ascension. Amen. I said, okay, and when will he get up? Will he get up when the last copy of the last volume of Left Behind is read? <laughs> <laughs> will he get up when we figure out how to clone a red heifer? <laughs> yep. No. Yep. The text says he'll get up when all of his enemies are made into a footstool. Yes. Amen. The glorious truth is that Jesus wins. Jesus reigns and Jesus wins. And what we're watching in history, as disheartening as it is, as, as destructive as it is with all the, the sin in Western culture, what we're watching is Jesus moving both sides of the chessboard. 
that the devil and his minions, they're, they're like a, like a, a dead mouse that a cat just sort of props up with one paw so it can whack it with the other paw and pretend it's going to war. Mm. <laughs> this, in fact, one way I describe it is we're in a mop-up operation. Yes. The devil is defeated. He was defeated when Jesus walked out of the grave alive. Yeah. The devil is bound, and the kingdom and the gospel message is going into all the world. Yeah. And the devil is in constant retreat, and he knows that he's lost. This is the last days of World War II. The devil's hiding in his bunker, trying to decide when to commit suicide because he knows it's over. Mm. Now, it, it, there are bad things going on, absolutely, but that's also again part of God's plan. The great thing about the sovereignty of God, the great thing about the reign of Jesus, is that every loss is a victory. The reason Bruce Jenner is on the cover of Vanity Fair looking like a woman is because Jesus ordained this for his own glory and the manifestation of the glory of his reign. Mm. The reason the Supreme Court's about to, to, to speak a lie and say that homosexuals can be married is because he ordained so you, and you don't have to look hard to find this principle in the Bible, whether it's whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, whether it's Pharaoh. I mean, those are some bad cats. Those yeah. are some scary dudes who did some really mean things to God's people. And what did God say about both of them? For this reason, I raised you up mm. that my name might be known. Mm. Wow. So I, you know, I... I, I worry, although less so as things have gotten worse and worse, I worry at the complacency of the evangelical church in America that we're so at ease here in Babylon that we don't sense the, the reality of all that's gone wrong. Uh, but I also worry about all my friends who spend their days listening to talk radio and Fox News and they think the sky is falling and they forget that Jesus reigns. Mm. Right. You know what? I know that you're Presbyterian and we're Reformed Baptists, but that, that calls... I'm telling you, no matter what, Marcus, we can all agree it calls for one of these sessions. <laughs> this is what happens when two or more Presbyterians are gathered in his name. <laughs> we have church. I don't care. It works. It works for that. All right, guys, so you need to stay with us because we're going to do a little bit more dialogue on this, guys. We're going to discuss a little bit more about the kingdom of Christ, the reign of Christ, the rule of Christ in history, the church, our role with the gospel, with R.C. Sproul Jr. right here on ApologiaRadio.com. podcast called the reform kid cast where we go through the catechism with our daddy it's a lot of fun and your kids will love it please go subscribe 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 on mm -hmm. itunes we'll see you on the reform kid cast I love R.C. 
how you brought that discussion out of the millennial question to really the most important aspect of it, and that's what needs to be emphasized, the reign of Christ, his rule in the world. I mean, that's, that's really the thing. Rather than bickering over one chapter in the Bible that mentions in the only place that the thousand-year reign of Christ and hanging, out, hanging our hat there for the discussion to bring it to what is the wider discussion in Scripture, and that is toward the rule of Christ in history. And Psalm 110.1 is the most quoted verse of the Old Testament brought into the New by the inspired New Testament. And sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And what I always try to do is, RC, is bring people into the discussion in terms of, look, if you want to know what Christian eschatology is, Christian eschatology 101, you've got to go to 1 Corinthians 15 where the Apostle Paul describes the scenario and the movement of history in terms of Jesus is reigning, he must reign until all enemies are put under his feet, and the last enemy is death, and then the kingdom of God is delivered over to the Father. And Paul saw history moving in that direction. And so I think that's the most important thing for us to talk about. If we agree as Christians that Jesus is king of kings now, and if we agree that he has all authority in heaven and on earth now, then we have to come to terms with what that means and the whole context of the biblical story, the framework of what God said he was going to actually be doing in history, that Isaiah 2, all the nations were going to stream up to the mountain of God and the law would go forth from Zion, that Isaiah 9, 6, of the increase of his government and of peace, there would be no end. There would be this progression of an increase of peace and of his government. And we see history is moving that direction. Um, R.C., what does it mean, though? I mean, aside from being just a, a theological discussion, what does it mean? Because you did something powerful, and it was my favorite part of Babies Are Murdered here. It was when you described our role as the church, as the bride, as the helpmeet of Christ, as the second Adam who is going out to cultivate God's creation, to take dominion. Uh, what does it mean for us that Jesus is ascended and seated and he's putting his enemies under his feet? Uh, in terms of our responsibility as a church? Well, it's literally the undoing of Genesis 3. Wow. Uh, typically, I, I often give folks what I call my outline of the Bible. And I go like this. You start with Roman numeral 1, Genesis 1 and 2, creation. Roman numeral 2, Genesis 3, fall. Roman numeral three. You did say we have a lot of time, right? Yes, we got time. Okay, all right. Roman numeral three, Genesis four through Revelation 22. Wow. Trying huh. to get back to Genesis one and two, mm. only better. Only better. The wow. glorious truth is that we're, we're, that God never loses and God never has a plan B. And so Adam and Eve fall into sin was the establishment of the story of the second Adam succeeding where the first Adam failed. First, in terms of his obedience, in terms of his temptation, but secondly, in terms of fulfilling the dominion mandate. This is the very uh, context of our lives, where we exist to manifest the glory of God 
by reflecting the glory of creation, by recreating the world. We're Adam going into this jungle and trying to gardenize it, mm. to finish the, the, the manifestation of God's glory. And of course, we failed miserably. And we turned this everything that was beautiful into everything that's ugly. Mm. But when Jesus walked out of the tomb on that third day, he reverses that downward spiral of history and now begins to set all things right. Uh, another text you, you, you didn't mention that I think gets at the same principle is in Daniel's vision, or excuse me, in Daniel's interpretation of the vision in Daniel chapter 2, where he describes this rock uncut by human hands that destroys the empires of this world and then grows until it covers the whole of the earth. Mm -hmm. yes. That's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's the empire we're in. And so when you get that, again, it, 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 one, gives you peace in the midst of battle. Two, it gives you your orders in the midst of battle. Uh, and, and three, it, it gives you the proper biblical sense of what our lives are all about. Now, the battle is internal and external. As the confession says, he's bringing to subjection all his and our enemies. And that includes everything in us that is not right and proper. That's the washing of his bride with the water of the word, removing every blot and blemish. Mm. And so the same sort of uh, uh, battle of discouragement and pride that goes on with me, I need to recognize how bad I am. But I also need to have confidence that Jesus is at work and Jesus is changing me. The same perspective I have on the broader world. It's a bad, terrible place, but he is at work. Yes, and I think, uh, R.C., one thing I like to try to emphasize to people when we look around us, even my wife, I had this conversation with her last week. She said, oh, but it's so bad right now. I, I, the, the, the thing to emphasize is just what you brought up from Daniel 2, that it starts off as a stone that becomes a mountain. And, and the way the Bible describes the expansion of the kingdom of the Messiah is in terms of progressive growth, not a dropping on history to obliterate it, but an expansion of peace and of his government. Uh, mustard seed to large tree. Can you talk about that in terms of this progression of the kingdom? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I would add one caveat, though, that the, that the, it's sort of like a, a stock chart where you can see a stock going, a general upward trend, but there are days when it drops. Yes. There might be weeks when it drops. And the same thing is true with the manifestation of the reign of Christ. Mm -hmm. If you look, if you zero in on the United States from 1965 to 2015, that 50-year window in this country, and you ask the question, has the kingdom of God advanced or not, it's not necessarily certain that you would say no, but most of us would. We're so busy looking on the dark side of things, we'd say, well, we've, we've really messed up. We had a much more God-honoring culture 50 years ago. We have a much more rebellious culture now. And that, that may be true. But I often ask people, look, first of all, you need, to, you need to expand your vision beyond the United States. The United States is not the kingdom of God. Amen. And we see vast, rapid uh, evangelism and, and conversions in China and yep. India and in South America. We're seeing lots of great things in other parts of the world. But not only that, you got to stand back in time a little bit more than just the last 50 years. I ask people all the time, how many Christians lived in the Western Hemisphere 420 years ago? Mm. 
Yes, good question. You could probably count them on your hands and toes wow. at that point. Mm-hmm. And however bad we might be, however weak we might be, and, and, and whatever losses we might have, how you know, there's millions upon millions now. Now, what we miss is because we have so far to go. Mm-hmm. We miss the reality that we're making progress, yep. even though we have such a great distance to go. Yes, yes. You know, if yes. I'm to, if I'm going to walk to Mars, and I walk a hundred yards, it's not going to. I mean, a hundred miles, it's not going to seem very different from where I started. But if I look back at where I started and think, "Wow, I made it a hundred miles," mm. and that's where we're going. That's 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 the nature of the battle. That that's again why we should be uh, at at peace while we're engaged in the war. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, RC. You and I actually just completed. Not sure if you knew this or not. We completed a, a series on uh, the Reform Pubcast. Uh, it's another podcast. They're friends of ours. Um, on on to- on on the doctrines of grace, um, I did total depravity. I think RC, you did um, irresistible grace. Am I right? Correct, absolutely. Okay. And uh, so, I, I, in terms of reformed folks that are thinking about these issues, what's underneath us always, right, is the sovereignty of God. Absolutely, is the power of God to bring sinners mm. to life. And I think that if we can get hold of our theology. And allow it to put, allow it to have legs on it. We begin to see that. Look, of course, we have so much work to do, and of course, things at the moment seem dark and bleak in many respects. But the truth is, is the bottom of our confession always is the sovereignty of God, is the power of the Spirit of God, and of the gospel to bring sinners to life. God is sovereign over this situation, and you're right, R.C. All of these things that we're seeing are ordained by God in the end for his glory Mm -hmm. and our good. And he has the power to change the culture, to change the way things, the way the stream is flowing right now tomorrow morning, if he pleases. And it's it's interesting if you look at history and you look at, uh, say, do a a look at uh, George Whitfield's life. Even a guy like George Whitfield, um, uh, uh, J.C. Ryle did an amazing uh, work on Whitfield, and Ryle actually begins that work by describing the time that Whitfield came in for this great awakening was a time of great darkness, mm. that everyone had described the state of the church as just an awful mess. And it, it's interesting, as you read Ryle's description of the time of Whitfield before Whitfield was used by God to bring this great awakening with the gospel, it, it's like reading a, a cover story of the state of the church in the West. Huh. It, it really, truly is. And what did God do with, with, with a man like Whitfield, with a faithful proclamation of the gospel? It changed the world. It truly, truly did. And God can do that at any time. And I think if we can grab hold of our theology yeah. and, and put some wheels on it and let us start rolling in the world, we'll begin to see the, the desired fruit that we're always anticipating and, desi- and wanting in the world. Well, absolutely. And again, we, we got to recognize that what looks like losses to us are often victories. Let's let's go back to that 50-year window. And if you were to ask, what's the greatest weakness of the church in 1965? I think you'd affirm that one of the great problems with the church was that it was unable to distinguish itself from the broader culture. That's what happens when you have cultural influence, is you have cultural Christians. Mm. And we're coming into this time where we have no cultural influence. And what that does is it burns away wood, hay, and stubble. It burns away the dross. And the Bible says 
That's a good thing when that happens. That's a sign mm. of God's favor upon us, that he's our father and he's disciplining us. Mm. I'm delighted to see a world, a, a culture, so hell-bent against the Bible and against God's revelation that the Christian has to stand up and say, I have to choose this day whom I'm going to serve. Woo! I cannot hey. do any wow. more of Preach. serving both. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. a great way to look at it. Because it's biblical. Yeah. It's in, the, it's in that book that God gave us. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to jump in? Uh, let's, let's do this. So let's uh, RC, RC, let's want to respect your time here. We know you spend a lot of time with us today. RC, you just blessed us. And I want to say that um, we would be honored to have you back sometime in the future. We're actually just completing this, this amazing studio that God gave us uh, the ability to, to build for um, Apologia Radio. And we'd love to have you back sometime in the future um, when we get that studio completed. I hope we can get that done. I'd love it. I'd love it. Well, yes. you've blessed us today, and I know you've blessed the church, and we are uh, just grateful for your ministry and what God has done in your life. Um, it's it's just truly encouraged me, and uh, we just pray for God to pour out more blessings upon your ministry, brother. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so that. much, brother. All right. What? You know what? Man. Luke, you know why I played this, right? Think about it. What is it? Yep. This song, it's Modest Yahoo. Clear a path, chop them down. Ready? Here it comes. Yes. Chop them down, Lord. Wow. Chop them down. All right, guys. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com. Share an episode and share this episode. That's the Ginger King, the bear, and the ninja. We'll be right back. This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. The profanation of marriage is gaining legs within our culture with the same-sex marriage debate. This is church, a gospel issue. We have to be salt. We must be light on this issue of same-sex marriage. This is Joy Tembe with Apologia Radio. I urge you guys to pray for the homosexual community. Then log on to RealHarmony.org to equip yourselves with the resources we've provided. This is the Ministry Bear. Here's the issue. The same-sex attracted community has a symbol that's universally recognized. It's an equal sign. You see it everywhere. Until now, the Christian community has not had a symbol that represents true, harmonious, biblical marriage. Go to realharmony.org and buy a sticker. They're three bucks a piece. Get your church to buy them by the truckloads. Help us redeem the culture. And let me reiterate, this is not a political issue only. This is a gospel issue. Realharmony.org. Marcus, I, for one, am utterly delighted at the biblical ecumenism that's displayed in this show in terms of the guests that we have on and in terms of the host diversity 
I love it. Yeah, I it won't, love it won't it. last long. You'll be on my side. <laughs> so, you you and I had a conversation. We did baptisms on Sunday at Apology They were beautiful. And you attended. I was actually and, there. I and didn't you protest. Were and, re- and recorded. I recorded it. Yeah, it was fantastic. You were super excited about the baptisms. Yeah. He was trying yeah. to throw the kids in the baptism alone. Well, no, no, I wasn't. Okay, so we so we were outside in like 105 degrees. Welcome we, to Arizona. And we had this like metal tub, which probably burned the skin of the people that got in. It burned me when I dr- <laughs> when I drug it out. Yes. So, but then afterwards. All these little kids came, and they just wanted to get in there All so badly. All of them badly. were staring at the water, yes. Yeah, and I was like, Jeffs, don't you see? They want to get in. Marcus was like, get in, kids. <laughs> get, get in. Get in, children. Well, we'll splash in. He was starting to hose them down. <laughs> Marcus is like, look, they love it. Get in, kids. He was calling all the kids over. Come on, kids, get in. <laughs> I think they were more than willing. I don't think they wanted to be so denied. He did a cannonball and just got him with one big, giant splash. <laughs> Marcus is walking around flicking water on kids' babies as as, uh, as they're in worship. <laughs> Family integrated, yo. All right, y'all. Hey, check it out. Did you know that Google seems to have pretty decent theology? It's fantastic. And uh, did you know this about Google? So Yeah, so I was watching the Google I.O. video, and they were talking about the updates to Google now. And I was like, I wonder how smart Google really is. <laughs> so I started asking complex theological questions. And I was like, I felt like Google just preached the gospel to me. Wow. All right. You want to try it? Let's try it out. Let's ask Google some theological questions. Uh, Let me try here. Ready? And Google, who is Jesus? According to whoajesus-really.com, just to agree intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins is not enough, nor is it enough to have an emotional experience. You receive Jesus Christ by faith as an act of the will. <laughs> wow. All right, ready? Well, what is justification? Okay, there you go. What is justification by faith? According to Wikipedia, justification in Christian theology is God's act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin while at the same time declaring a sinner righteous through Christ's atoning sacrifice. In Protestantism, righteousness from God is viewed as being credited to the sinner's account through faith alone, without what? Wow. What? Hey, since we're doing this, should I ask Siri? Uh, and see how Siri does? You could, yes. Let's let's, try let's see who has better theology. Yeah, let's try it. Siri, what or, is postmillennialism? Ooh, very good. Google, what is postmillennialism? Postmillennialism, among some Christian Protestants, the doctrine that the second coming of Christ will be the culmination of the prophesied millennium of blessedness. Hey, nice. the millennium of blessedness. Wow. Okay, let's check out who has better theology. Ready? Siri or Google? Does Google even have a name? Does she have a name? No, it's just okay, Google. Okay, Google. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> See? <laughs> she <Yeah>. popped up. <laughs> um, sorry, I can't remember how to make Siri come on. <laughs> Oh I never use gosh. it. Oh, I always no. do it. I always do it on accident. Now I can't do it. Google, who is Jeff Durbin? According to Apologia Church, Jeff Durbin is pastor, elder of Apologia Church in Tempe, and has worked for many years as a hospital chaplain. Jeff is a popular speaker for camps, conferences, churches, and schools across the nation. <laughs> wow. Ask, Let's try this, ask right? each of us. Google, who is Marcus Pittman? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> Google, who is Pastor Luke Pearson? Nope. Nothing. We're not good enough. I figured it out now. All right. I have to hold it down. Let's check the theology now. All right, so now we're going to see which is better, Siri. What do you want me to ask Siri? What is justification? By faith. By faith. Okay. Siri, 
What is justification by faith? Okay, I found this on the web for buffet. Okay, Siri, what is justification by faith? Oh, it just gave me a bunch of websites. Oh, Siri. Oh, but you know what? The number two was gaychristian101.com. Well, that's Apple for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Apologia. Hey, I'm just saying, Android baby. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I was watching I was watching this segment, right? And it's talking and, and Google's talking about their next billion users. And all these people in these third world countries, whether it's in uh, wh whether it's in Africa or China or wherever, they're starting to get smartphones for the first time. Oh wow. These are cities who have never had landline phones. Wow. So they didn't they didn't they just skipped straight to cell phones because it's cheaper to put in a radio tower. Yeah, sure. And everybody can get it. And so you have these third world countries that have access to all the same apps that we mm. have, the Bible, the commentaries, the sermon, yeah. apologia app. Yeah. So from all these countries all around the world, wow. obviously things are getting better. What? what? What are you saying? I'm saying that this is bigger than a printing press. What's happening? Are, are you saying that post mill though? No, I'm saying post-millennialism. <laughs> I'm saying, look, think about it. We have the ability now to bring the gospel at the click of a button all around the world. Who says things aren't getting better for the gospel? It's unbelievable. We got access now to places we could not get before as quickly as possible. I'm going to send, I get friend requests. Unless you're in Canada. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Then, it, you're then you get to take a. Beat. You got a better chance in Africa than then you do Canada. Then you're gonna take a beat down an interrogation. That's right. Yeah, the border, Canada. What are you teaching? What are you teaching? What is your doctrine? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So hey, let's bring us in now into a discussion regarding uh, municipal violations. Yes. Right? Traffic tickets. Now tell us, Marcus. Bring us into the segment now. How'd you hear about this? What show are we listening to? Tell us about it. Okay. For those of you that don't know, uh, this show is called uh, Late Night. I'm sorry, Last Week with John Oliver. And John Oliver used to be on The Daily Show. He hosted for a time when Jon Stewart was off for the summer. And then he got his own show on HBO. And he was on Community. He was on Community, right. And so he now has his own show. And one of the things I believe Jon Stewart told him, he said, if you're going to be on HBO, if you're going to be on HBO, you need to use the advantage of not having commercial breaks and just hit an entire segment really hard. Mm. And so every Sunday he has a 16 to 18 minute clip that comes up on YouTube where he talks about a particular topic that bothers him political or like, you know, whatever. But this one particular topic was amazingly theonomic and, and John Oliver is not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination, I don't even think he would claim to be. He cusses and swears. It's a show on HBO. But this right here just shows how he, as an image bearer, knows what is just and what is unjust. So this is him talking about traffic tickets and how it is corrupt to have a system that funds a city based off the expense of other people and mm. punishing them and threatening them with prison. Yeah. And you've got people in these municipal violations who went to jail. Well, because let's, they, let's, not, let's because, let him talk about okay, it. Okay, we'll, we'll fill in. Yeah. Ready? Just calm down. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> if you don't have enough money to pay a fine immediately, tickets can wreck your life. Let me introduce you to a woman named Harriet Cleveland. 
she had some low-level traffic tickets, but because she couldn't pay them straight away, she accumulated all kinds of other fees and additional tickets, which, despite her best efforts, she was unable to pay off. And then, one morning, this happened. I had my grandbaby with me, and I was sitting up giving him breakfast that morning, and I heard a knock on the door, and I seen a police officer at my door. And in the back of my mind, it wasn't for me, because I didn't figure they'd come get you for tickets. I was escorted to jail. Because let's start at the beginning. Most tickets come with a fine, and if you've ever lived paycheck to paycheck, you know that can be difficult. For example, in DeKalb County, Alabama, a speeding ticket is $255.50. If you earn minimum wage there, $7.25 an hour, it would take you more than 35 hours of work Ooh. to pay that off. Which seems harsh, because the only justifiable way you should lose an entire week of your life due to speeding is if you hit 88 miles an hour and go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Now, courts know that not everyone can pay fines straight away, which is why some allow a payment plan. Unfortunately, that can turn out to be even more expensive. In Illinois, the state adds on 30% if you fall behind in your payments. Ooh. In New Orleans, it costs you 100 bucks just to sign up for a payment plan. Wow. Yes, your payment plan begins with a payment plan payment. <laughs> wow. Wow. And this is for traffic violations. Yes, speeding tickets. Speeding ticket could land you in jail. Right. And speeding tickets becomes essentially slavery. Slavery is the ownership of another's production. That's what slavery is. Right. It's the mm. ownership of another's production. And so when the state comes in and says, well, here's this fine now uh, for this uh, criminal offense, um, we're going to own your production for a week of your life. That's modern-day slavery. Absolutely. It is. Now, now yeah. you, you can have a just form of what is ser servanthood, in a sense, where somebody uh, robs you, and then the court requires that person to pay you back. But that's to, bring, that's to bring harmony to a situation that you created in a crime. And so the state can say, well, the other that you robbed now owns your production until you pay them back. Right. That's not unjust. That's just. Right. But to own somebody's production for a week of their life, under, under threat under of threat. imprisonment yeah. or losing your job or whatever. No. Uh, let's go to cut five. Okay, here we go. In 2012 in Florida, a staggering 88% of all license suspensions were due to failure to comply with summons or fines, which is insane. It also leaves only 12% for Florida's other most common violations, accidentally taking your golf cart on the freeway, <laughs> feeding meth to an alligator, <laughs> feeding an alligator to a meth dealer and being an alligator meth dealer. <laughs> Florida. The problem is... The problem is... If you do lose your licence, it can affect everything. Most Americans drive to work. And if you can't do that, you've got a problem. In New Jersey, a survey of low-income drivers who'd had their licence suspended found that 64% had lost their jobs as a result, which doesn't help anyone. You need them to pay their fine, but you're taking away their means of paying it. And you're taking them out of society. They're not a productive member. They're not working. They don't have a job. It's, it's mm -hmm. the worst thing you can do to somebody who's paid a fine or, or who's committed a crime right. is to do that. But, I mean, really, is speeding a crime? I mean... That well, yeah, and let's, let's talk about it. So obviously we didn't have vehicles during the time the Bible was written, but the, the powerful thing about God's Word is the principles are uh, eternal in, 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 in their duration. And so, for example, 
you had in the Old Testament in uh, Deuteronomy 22.8, you had the, uh, the building of a new house, and the command was to make a parapet around the roof so that you may not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls from the roof, because they spend a lot of time on the roofs of their houses, hanging out and everything else, and so the call was to build a parapet around the roof of your house. And here's the deal. See, that does apply today. That principle applies. And we would today want to say that it should apply to things like deep wells in someone's yard. In Arizona, or there's a lot of pools. Swimming pools. And they yeah. all have gates around them. Little yeah. toddlers don't fall in. That mm-hmm. is a righteous, godly rule and law to apply to society. And it really goes back to Exodus 20, verse 13. And that is, the, you shall not kill. It's the preservation of life. So what happens is the law of God is based upon, say, let's you have the Ten Commandments, uh, you shall not kill. Well, you move from you should not kill to just penalties in the system that actually applies that law. Right. The laws in the Old Testament are not based on minority report crimes. In yeah. other words, they're not based on preventing bad things from happening. They're based on punishing bad things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So there's not... The, a, the penalty laws. Yeah, there's yes. not a fine yes. for not having a roof around your house. But if somebody falls off and dies you're going to die. Right. Right. There's because the bloodshed is your fault because you didn't preserve life and, and all the rest. Absolutely. So the Bible has what's called a case law system, case law. So you have the Ten Commandments, and then the case laws in the other books are built upon those laws. And the United States system of government and our law system, our legal system, when you look back to what John Jay put in, our first Supreme Court justice and everything else, he the, the, our system was built upon a case law system exactly mm. as the Old Testament case law system was. And so when you have examples like this in, in the Old Testament, the building of a new house, the making a parapet on the roof of your house is based upon case law that's based upon the commandment not to kill. And yes. so when you have, say, for example, the animal husbandry laws that the Apostle Paul appeals to, he, br- he assumes the continuity. He says, don't you know you don't muzzle a lo- a lo- an ox while it treads? And he applies that to taking care of your pastors who are laboring over you and for you um, in the work of ministry. He assumes its continuity. He doesn't say, oh, we know, all know that's defunct. And, but I'm going to go ahead and bring this one over. He assumes the continuity of the principle and applies it. He's like, you guys should know this. Mm-hmm. You're not to right. muzzle the ox while it treads. Right. And in the same way, we would want these things applied to our society today. So you have a just system of law um, in a society. So you could say there could be a righteous form of application of the parapet principle in today's society with regard to speeding laws. Not, of course, a law that actually infringes upon justice that that would warp this. Right. I would say there should be speed warnings okay. and not speed limits. Okay. So Because of the preservation of life. Right. We should, right. And, and if you go past that warning and you injure somebody, mm-hmm. you should be punished severely. So if you were to, say, fly through a school zone yes. and end up carelessly... Killing a child. Private school or government school? Uh, it's just, no, I'm just kidding. That's uh, yeah, a joke. Just inju- what about homeschool? That's a joke, Prasma. What about okay. a homeschool zone? Yeah, then you're in a lot of trouble. Whatever. You break, you break, right. speed, you right. break a speed warning and you kill a child. Yes. The penalty should be death. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, and, and what would happen, Luke, you made a comment in the... In the in Assuming the, there's two or three witnesses, too, even in that case. Yeah, yeah. You, Absolutely. Which you could easily pull in something like that. You sure. can make... You can so make we them. would just... If that happened, we would just start stoning those people, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you would just have pick up stones and start killing them. Why not? Why not? There, yeah, there would be obviously a court system, absolutely, and there would be a judge and witnesses. That was facetious. That was right. Okay, blood would be covering the streets, right? Because yeah. everybody would just be breaking the speed limit right. tomorrow. Yeah, it's not true because I can't even get people to go the speed limit. And mob so. justice and mob justice is against the law and God's word. Right. So, absolutely. um, but Luke, you made a comment before we did the segment about what would this do in terms of if you had these kind of just mm-hmm. law systems in place, it would mm-hmm. do what? There'd be a lot less uh, drunk driving. There'd be a lot less uh, speeding. You know, we, we could apply it to all areas. There'd be a lot less child molesters. There'd be a lot less rapists. Yeah. Because people are going to think twice if they know they get caught, they're immediately... If the penalty death. for kidnapping is death, yeah. as the Bible says, then that preserves society and protects yep. them because there's a lot less, lot less kidnapping because the consequence, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a, there's a little newspaper. I'm, I'm actually, it's a little bit perverse, but I have to get it every time I see it. It's in town. It's a buck and it's, um, it's the slammer <laughs> and it shows, um, for the week, I think, or the last two weeks, yeah. all of Maripo- Maricopa County arrests and their pictures the mug shots. every single time. No joke. I know somebody yeah. from this. Wow. Yeah, I, I, because mostly to be mostly because of my time as a as a chaplain at um a hospital. So I always I've known people on the cover of this thing. <laughs> so wow. Anyway, I there I've looked in it, and there actually is there are many cases of kidnapping in the valley every single month. Wow. Because uh, there's a huge area for that. Yes, and so uh, there are people who um who have kidnapped women, whatever, and so there's a lot of them. And I was thinking to myself, well, if you actually had a just society with the law of God, we would take kidnapping another human being more seriously. Absolutely. And we would all actually, if we had a just system, have the ability to prevent more because because people understand if you kidnap somebody or rape them, you are not going to get three hots in a cot for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You're going to be executed. Yeah. That's right. Let's, let's let John Oliver continue to preach to be, us. Before okay. we do that, I got I to gotta take a moment to give glory to God because when we always talk about the slammer, uh, there's been more than one person at Apologia that has had their picture, <laughs> their, their mugshot in that. In the slammer. And so glory to God saving people. They're redeemed. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Here we go. Take the case of Tom Barrett. He's a veteran who stole a $2 can of beer, which he knows he should not have done. And when he couldn't pay his fine, he was referred to Sentinel Offender Services. Private company. In addition to all their other fees, they gave Tom a court-ordered leg monitor for which they charged him $360 a month, $12 a day. To keep up on his payments, he had to start selling his own plasma. And where do you think this story ended? I ended up having to walk everywhere because I didn't, I couldn't afford bus fare. Um, I went hungry because I couldn't afford food. It was $12 a day, and there was no way I could make $12 a day, so I was always falling behind. So I ended up getting locked up three times over stealing this can of beer. Locked up three times over stealing one can of beer. Wow. And it's, uh, a, it's a two. Now think about this. It's a $2 can of beer. He's locked up. He has to go to court. All the taxpayer expenses just for a $2 can of beer when it really he should have just paid back the store owner seven times or whatever the well, law, uh-huh. whatever the appropriate um, uh, multiplier would be right. for justice and yeah. paying back for the can and then whatever the loss of, was toward the owner and everything else. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and this is what happens when you have a society that rejects God's law. You have uh, a criminal price, a criminal price, 
now paid, now paid by the society around. Because watch this, because Marcus, you're exactly right. We now had to pay the judge to hear the case. Mm -hmm. We had to pay the police officers to arrest the man. We had to pay public for defenders. public defenders. We had to pay for uh, the uh, let's see here the uh, jail the jail food, itself food and electricity the jail. the jail and gas else. insurance gas and all that stuff had to be paid now by the society for a two dollar can of beer. That's right. They were robbed to pay for the two dollar can of beer violation. Right. Right. And we prefer man's victims, laws over God's laws. Yeah. The the victims become slaves to the state. Yeah. To pay for the uh the the living of the criminal, essentially. Yes. It's a terrible system. The society becomes a victim. That's right. That's right. That's right. Luke, next piece. And all this brings us right back to where we began with Harriet Cleveland. Because her story touches on pretty much everything we've seen so far. How did Harriet wind up in jail? Well, she struggled to pay traffic tickets, had her license suspended, had to keep driving or she'd lose her job, was then caught driving without a license, ticketed again, and then had her fines handed over to the good people at JCS. And I'll let her pick up the story from there. I just really lost a whole lot of money paying to them. They didn't go on to my fine. I lost my car trying to pay them. I did a title loan on my car and lost that, and trying to pay my utility bills, you know, and they're getting shut off here and there. Well, I wanted to pay my fine, but I couldn't afford it. And like I said, it just hurt my heart, and I didn't even have that to take, but I had to take something. Till it got to a point I just got tired, and I couldn't take anything anymore. I paid them $2,000 one time when I got my income tax, and then that was in February. And in March, I just didn't have anything else to give them. That is awful. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center eventually managed to get her out of jail after 10 days, arguing that she'd been sent to what was effectively a debtor's prison, something that was supposed to have been fucking outlawed in America in the 1830s. But the truth is, whether through private probation or just the state, many people have been caught in the same cycle as all the people that we've seen. And let's be clear, no one is saying the people who break the law should not be punished. This isn't about being soft on crime. Listen to Tom Barrett's self-proclaimed conservative Republican lawyer. If someone violates the rules of society, they need to be punished. But the punishment need to have some, uh, if, if it's going to be based on a fine, it had to be based on the person's ability to pay. They don't have the ability to pay. They can pick up trash on the streets or they can have some community service. I think pretty much everyone would agree with that. So, if you don't have the money to pay, you do community service. I would asterisk of that and say you should be an indentured servant uh, to the individual who you've robbed from if you can't pay. But that's theonomy. That's what it is. And that's a pagan talking about the corruption of our prison system right there. Yeah, and, and, and what does this all come back to in the end in terms of how we should be thinking as Christians? Love for neighbor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love for neighbor. Because I mean, listen, emotional arguments are um, appropriate mm -hmm. when landing on a foundation that is necessary. And so when you think about the emotions drawn from all of us, when you hear this grandmother who was watching her grandchild pulled away from her grandchild at home and now just nailed with prison time 
ands with a fine that she couldn't pay, and that draws out of you an emotional response like, this should not be, it's because it should not be. Right. And it's yeah. appropriate to feel for her, and it's appropriate as a Christian to go beyond simple discussions about asking people to let Jesus into their heart, but to move into the area of salt and light right. to the world and say, we have neighbors under the boot of an oppressive, ungodly, unrighteous system. And what should you be saying in your communities about these sorts of things? You ought to care because you ought to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's right. Now, if you have the money to pay for these kind of violations... They're not really punishments, are they? No big deal. Right. But when you think about guys that can't pay a $12 bus ticket... Yeah. ...and are walking to work and going without food then that should begin to open your eyes and ears to what's going on around us yeah. in our nation. Justice is always just, no matter how much money you have. Mm. If it's, if, it, if a guy who has a lot of money doesn't like worry about a speeding ticket, you know, they got the Lamborghini and they're just speeding because they know if they get a ticket, they'll just pay it and then they'll continue speeding in their uh. Lamborghini. That's not really a just system. Mm. Mm. So... Yeah, because you think about, let's say, if you're a rich person or poor person and you steal from somebody, you're going to get the same justice. You have to pay back the value of what was taken, plus, depending upon how it was used, like, for example, there were different payments depending on what you stole. In the Old Testament, like, if you stole somebody's ability, some, something from somebody that was the ability to work and right. labor, then you had to pay back more because of what you actually took away from them. Mm, that's right. um, and that, that depends on, it's case law. It depends upon what you took and everything else. And the same thing goes for killing somebody. You could have accidental killing. That's not the same as premeditated killing in the old Testament. So you didn't just say you killed somebody. So you get death. No, 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 right. no. If, if you had a, an ax head that flew off and you didn't know before that it was loose and it killed somebody, that's not the same thing. Yeah. And if there's a legitimate traffic accident where it's really a no fault traffic accident, then it like nobody, pays the consequences right but mm. if you in in today's society everybody pays the consequences so here's a story the other day i went to go pick up food a guy rear-ended me in the back and i get out of my car no real damage i ask him if he's okay he said he's okay and i was like cool man see you later and he just looks at me with a shock on his face yeah and i'm like i'm good man have a good day and i get in my car and i drive off right I there was no damage. If I called the police, he would have gotten a fine. He would have got a ticket. His insurance rates would have gone up. Mine would have gone up just for reporting it. And it was a bumper. That's why they're called bumpers, right? Like, that's what they do. <laughs> so it's, it was no big deal. Yeah. And I didn't want to cost taxpayers money by bringing a police officer out. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So it affects how... You know, and I showed love to him too, and forgiveness. Yes. You know, mercy. So, yeah. I, as an individual, was able to handle that situation. Yeah. Privately between me and him. Yeah. And that's all that needed to and happen. According to God's law, the victim always is the one that has the ultimate say as to yeah. how this is actually handled. So, mercy and grace are only really allowable in a biblical form of government and law. Right. Because if you have man's system of justice, once it gets in, in the hands of the justice system, watch. The victim can't tell the judge today, judge, I demand you let him go. I want right. mercy. For gonna, the judge doesn't matter now. Right. It's in the hands of the state. 
And if you want a system where there's mercy and there's grace, you need a biblical form of government. If you want a system where forgiveness can be offered by the victim, you need a biblical form of government. And remember, Romans 13, this is critical, is post-cross, post-resurrection, post-ascension. Very, very important, but here's why. Post-cross, post-resurrection, post-ascension, Romans 13, Paul defines the prescriptive role of government as deacon to wield the sword of justice. So God still intends in the new covenant for the civil magistrate to wield the sword of justice. It's yeah. not as though in the new covenant, God says, I'm no longer concerned right. with any civil magistrate dealings. And every time the Bible uses the words justice, it's talking about its standards of justice yeah. yes, and not right. the state or at that time in that place is standard of justice. Right. Yeah, good point. I think we'll all agree that when Paul wrote the letter of Romans to the church in Rome about the prescriptive role of government, he wasn't describing the current state of Rome in his day. Right. I'm pretty sure they cut his head off. Right, exactly. So <laughs> Paul is describing the prescriptive role of government. He defines that role in the new covenant that the civil magistrate is to wield the sword of, God, of justice and they're to be God's deacon, not some other God's deacon, right. his deacon, his servant, which means you ask the question, as Christians, do you have something that you're required to say when your neighbor is being crushed by injustice? I think so. Yes. All right. So there you go, baby. It's another episode of Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. King Ginger, the bear, the ninja. Stay with us, guys. We have so much exciting stuff coming. So much exciting stuff. You're going to get to see very, very soon. Our first episode of Apologia Radio in our own studio. Make sure you send a note to Luke. Tell him how great the studio looks. Trust me, you will when you see it. Make sure you thank Marcus for all the work that he's doing for the kingdom of God. And get ready, guys. Tell everybody you know about it. You're going to be able to subscribe, get more content. And I'm just going to float it once again. Apologia Academy. What's Say that? What? I'm just going to float it. Just float it? Just drop it. I'm just going to float it. Mike, drop it. Yeah, just drop just it so, and leave. Some people say, Jeff what, out. What the heck is he talking about? Well, you shall see soon. Get ready, y'all. Apologia Radio. Don't forget to get our appy, iTunes, Google Play. We love you guys. We are absolutely grateful for all of our listeners. Thank you for all your feedback. Thank you for your words of encouragement. We absolutely can't do this without you. There's no question. We're grateful for you. And be sure to send show ideas and letters to the pastor, glory at apologiachurch.com. Apologiaradio.com. At a, oh, sorry, apologiaradio.com. Glory at apologiaradio.com. That's have your kids write letters, letters to a pastor. We love you guys. We're grateful for you. Thanks again for listening. Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. Want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there, we are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time. 
4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory! 